Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to episode 15 of the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean Williams. Forgot my last name just then. <laughs> Uh, and join as always is my co-host Josh XX Gamer Lord 2004XX Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? How you doing, Josh? Well, considering that I I gamed at, when I was four, but I, online gaming was not a thing I ever knew. This is a this name is a lie. We were not born in 2004. I was not. <laughs> so it's, you were born before then. I was by quite a few years. That's pretty funny to me. Uh, our roommate picked that up for you that nickname today. So, how you doing? I'm here. I'm thriving. I'm vibing. We're, we're making movies where stuff has happened. <laughs> oh, we watched some fun movies lately. We did? We've seen Dog in ah, theaters. Yeah. Fun we, time. It was interesting. We watched Uncharted, which we'll get to in a minute on here. We watched The Batman, which is what this episode's all about. We watched some DCOMs. Our last episode we recorded was with Nikhil Clayton as our guest. It was really, really fun. He's on TikTok, and that's actually probably most of you listening right now, as you probably all came from him. So thank you. For, we have a huge amount of new listeners now, so thank you so much. I apologize for our weirdness that you're about to be succumbed to. Because last episode, you all didn't get to have our decom part, which is how it starts every episode, so I'm very sorry. <laughs> Overall, though, I had to think this would be an interesting episode. Yeah. Well, you watched it good lately on your own, though? What? Give me a second. Pull up the box of letters. <laughs> we both use Letterboxd, and so we're looking at movies. Uh, we, oh, we watched Ryan the Last Dragon tonight. Oh, I haven't logged it yet. Crap. Okay. Um, in preparation for the Batman, I rewatched Batman Year One. Eh. Uh, Dark Knight Returns Part One, pretty good. Dark Knight Returns Part Two, pretty mediocre. The Muppets, the Jason Segel one. That's that's part of the Batman part. Oh, it's part of the Batman part. Yeah, that's part. Oh, that's part of how you uh, you prep for Batman, right? Watching the Muppets. Oh, of course. You're t- you're, if you do, if you don't see the Muppets and don't immediately think Batman, then you're doing it all wrong. Watching the Muppets was fun. I'd never seen it before. Um, I saw Death on the Nile um, after we recorded our last podcast. Very boring. Yeah. Overall, though, we watched movies. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're we're recording late tonight. We're just having a, we're having a time. We record late every night. When have we not recorded late? With Nikhil. But we were both tired still. <sighs> so, every episode we go through a different Disney Channel original movie, uh, or DCOM for short, and we will see how in a short period of time the biggest media company on Earth, Disney, caters towards solely children with a large sample size. And we'll see any quality changes, etc. Last episode we were going to put our recording of Don't Look Under the Bed in that episode, but because we were doing video for all of it besides that, it didn't really make sense, so 
and the rest of these episodes are mostly audio only, like this one. Um, we watched Don't Look Under the Bed about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Yep. We took no notes. Correct. We, we planned to record that same night, and we just didn't record. So yep. it's now in the back of our heads more. Josh, having watched this movie about two weeks ago, what is the plot? But wait, before that happens, the first 20 minutes, though, amazing. First 20 minutes is what we in the film community consider to be pure insanity. <laughs> In the best of terms, you have absolutely no idea what is happening, and it's beautiful. (laughs) But when the plot begins to make more sense, that's when it starts to become more boring. Which is very weird considering the plot of this movie. I don't think it's... It's not... There's only one part of the movie I think that's genuinely boring, and that is the actual climax of the movie. It really was. The rest of it's fun. Yeah, it's... Again, this this trend of the decoms that no one has ever that no one talks about and we've never heard of being the best ones is very weird. This is our last one in the nineties. It is. We're almost in the odds. Is that what people call it? I mean, yeah, but it, not often. <sighs> this movie is don't look under the bed because there's a boogeyman under the bed. Spoilers, I guess, but not really. And any imaginary friend, everyone has an imaginary friend apparently in this universe. Correct. And. When you uh, forget your imaginary, or when your, if an imaginary friend becomes no longer needed too soon, too soon, like if the child stops needing them before their time comes, then they become a boogeyman or boogie person, as we've established in this movie later on. It gets so weird so fast, and I love it. The first twenty minutes just feels like an episode of Doctor Who. I was waiting for the Doctor to show up the whole time. It's just random stuff happening. Like, okay, where are the aliens? What I- is this? I hadn't seen any Doctor Who up to this point. I thought it was a Twilight Zone episode. And I explained it to Josh the other day. Uh, Doctor Who is basically Twilight Zone with more quirkiness and more British people. Which it... You watch now watch the first episode of the reboot, and that's kind of what it was. A bit, yeah. I say reboot. It's 20 years ago now, but yeah. Weird time. So this movie, what's the plot, Josh? A girl whose name I forgot, so I'm just going to call her girl. Uh... <laughs> Weird stuff is happening all over town, weird pranks and stuff, and she's getting blamed for it because of the letter B, and that being, like, her middle name. Okay, yeah, so, and Eric Chambers plays Francis Bacon uh, McCausland, but Francis Francis Bacon's an actual real person she's named after. Right, so, because the letter B keeps popping up during all the pranks, everyone in the school assumes that it is her that is doing this, and then she starts seeing this weird guy just doing weird things, and it's just like, look at the weird guy, and people are like, what weird guy? There's no weird guy, and she realizes, like, oh, he's Ghost Man or something, but he is not, he's an imaginary friend. His name is Larry Houdini. I forgot his name was Larry Houdini till just now. <laughs> uh, and most children can still see him, because he, they still believe in this type of stuff. Yes. And she discovers the boogeyman existence after her and her little brother. And, and the bee, it actually is about her. It's, it, the boogeyman ends up being, sorry, boogie person ends up being her old imaginary friend. Which is an interesting twist. It gets very weird, very fast, and very convoluted. I think the funniest part of that is that um, Steve Valentine, who plays the boogeyman, who is in uh, Spider-Man 3 as the photographer, he's in Wizards where we place the movie. He's in A Christmas Carol, he's in P.Y. Sherman, uh, he's in Avalon High and Nardi Come. He's in a lot of weird random roles, uh, and at one point he becomes an old woman in one scene. It's a weird movie. This is one that you can't really describe this in plot anything is, it makes sense. Right. If I say anything about the plot, it, what is happening? Like in the beginning, dogs are on roofs, a car gets rained on by eggs. 
No, remember how it starts is everyone, they wake up three hours early from their alarm. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the town's alarm goes off three hours early. And they think that it was her that, like, synchronized them all somehow. A mass prank. Which is just, like, the, the logistics of breaking into everyone's house and resetting their clocks to be three hours behind is pure insanity. Remember, we also do yays or nays for every thing we watch or any consuming media uh, because good and bad is subjective and doesn't really matter or mean anything. So, in those terms of... This with all the other decoms so far. Yay! For the most part, I think yay. I just find that... There, when it actually gets the real plot, when you find out what things are, that's when it's not interesting when, anymore. When it decides to try to be serious, that's when it stops being interesting to me. Because we learned at one point that the brother had leukemia. And she... And her little brother had... about that! Her little brother had leukemia, but he survived because um, their older brother uh, gave some bone marrow. He has, and, he, has, I think he has two lines in the whole thing. Yeah, he has two lines, which is great. And the whole thing revolves around her like um, telling her little brother that imaginary friends don't exist and you need to start believing in real stuff because, you know, you're dying. Which made sense in the context. Which made sense with the way it described it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But... Yes, when it's when it's serious, it's not great because it doesn't know how to be serious. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Francis Bacon McCoslin's the character's her Lily character's best friend, who is in it for I think three scenes, four scenes, something like that. Because this film, uh, her best friend has a crush on Miss Bacon's brother, the older the older brother who donated his bone marrow or blood or something to. Their little brother. Um, I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then, then she says, yeah, I have a question him, but don't tell anyone. Next day, in their b- flowers, they call her, it, it's written that she, uh, her best friend's name for her name, loves the older brother's name. And then she's like, why'd you say it? And he's like, I, I didn't. You think she would orchestrate up this to happen? What trust or friendship do you have? And like, if she did, why would she deny it if it's like in her yard? What's funny about it is the best friend leaves the film. She's never seen again. I think she's in the last scene or something like that. I don't think she is. They they mention her. They mention her, but we don't ever see her again. You're like, you're such great friends. Like this person who has been out of the movie the whole time. Okay. I want to talk about the weirdest thing that happens in this movie. At the very end, when the imaginary friends leave, the guy, uh, Larry Houdini, kisses her. And I don't understand why it happened. (laughs) He's also immortal. It's it's not even... I don't get it. The worst part of this was the boogie world. Yeah, like, but also it was a decom budget. They couldn't make it super well, it, weird. The actual plays, the set looked interesting, but it was so dark you couldn't see anything. To mask the cheapness of it. Right. And just, just own it. Own the cheapness. It might look silly, but it's fun. It was the 90s. They were afraid of cheapness. <sighs> this Ty Hodges as Larry Houdini went all out, though. Good job to him. He, he looks a lot different now. Well, it's older. It's been like it's been 20, 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> Crazy how that happens. He really gives all. He was like his costume changes in between scenes were amazing. There, there's so many of them that were just complete nonsense, and it was beautiful. And the scene where he's in, where Larry Houdini's in a library. Again, he's an imaginary friend. He's in a library, and he they piss off of a librarian, and it's hilarious to watch as they, the librarian thinks these kids have gone crazy because they've unplugged this TV, which it was never unplugged. It's Oh, it's quite a time. I, again, most of the decoms, we can actually explain the plot. This one, we can't. 
Because there isn't a plot until the last 20 minutes. Have you ever been in a library and a librarian (laughs) has come up and just like shushed you for being too loud? I've never experienced this. So this is a thing that happens. Okay. I was one who was quiet in the library, but I've seen it happen. Yeah, I've never seen it happen before. Really? Yeah. Not even like a school library? No. That's why I've seen it most often. I've seen it in a public library, I think, twice. But one of the times it was from actual patrons, just like, shh, to someone else. The other time was in the library, and, but they weren't mean about it. It was just like, you gotta be quiet. It's like, oh, my bad. It's like, That's not a huge deal. But she got mad at these children who are being unsupervised. Yeah, where are their parents? Um, the, librarian, the librarian is their parents, Josh. Of all these children. The parents are just out in the parking lot getting high. I think my favorite part of this movie is that uh, the woman... Uh, okay, so the entire school board thinks that this girl, Frances, is, has gone insane. I mean, kind of rightfully so. But more than that, has also just decided to deface everything in, this, in the entire town on her own magically. Um, as well as they've convinced her parents, as is the case... And they're bringing a therapist, counselor into her house to come watch her and see if she's doing okay. While her imaginary friend, who can touch things and interact with things. It's odd. Which, I, it's always like a trope. I hate when, when ghost-like characters can do things physically. I hate that. He makes a weird potion out of dirty socks. And other, a lot of weird other things. And then the socks get served. I My favorite thing about that is that they're at the dinner table. They're all eating everything. Then she goes into the kitchen to get something. I don't remember what it was. Then Larry's in there, and he's just throwing everything together. And not even like a minute goes by. Then the mom comes in and sees the whole kitchen is a wreck and blames Francis for it. Which is like, how could she have destroyed the kitchen in a minute without a single sound doing it? <laughs> this poster is not to adjust this at all. No. I'm looking at the poster right now. It's just bland. Yeah. Also... It was, I thought it was like a lot more closer to a horror kind of thing. It kind of started that way. Yeah, there's a lot of creepy hand moments. There's a lot of interesting mystery around this boogeyman. And then it's kind of lame what it turns out to be like. I would prefer the boogeyman was actually like a real villain throughout the whole thing. Because you see him three times the whole movie. Right. Also, let's touch on the boogeyman. So the bo- sorry, I'll begin. Boogie person, because as the boogie person insisted, they're not a boogeyman. Because they were a woman. Cool. Or uh, an NB queen. Um, <laughs> uh, royalty? What's the general term for queen? I don't know. The gender, gender neutral term for queen? Right? Non-binary awesomeness royalty. And they were British. And Victorian. Was... They had old Victorian clothing, so they were around... Which, which doesn't make sense, because Larry Houdini had outfits for every occasion... And by every occasion, I mean occasions that didn't, that didn't exist, like being a cowboy all of a sudden. I'm more confused that your imaginary friend is not, like, the one you create. Like, it's one that's been with other kids before. Right. Which is a weird thing. You don't um, you don't imagine them. They just happen to imagine you. <laughs> so maybe they really have gone crazy. Uh, and the fact they had to convince this child to imagine imaginary friends again. Part of the plot is making this child stop being logical. <laughs> <laughs> they had to convince this logic will get you killed, children. Yeah, the convince this like eight year old kid that who's been through cancer that you know what life isn't so serious. <laughs> That's kind of the plot, right, Josh? Yeah, kind of is. It's like don't worry, just be whimsical and fun. 
beat Owen Wilson in Loki. Silly whimsy. Remember that last episode? God damn it. Uh, that's a reference to two episodes ago now. Anyway, I don't have a lot of things to say about this movie besides this. No, it's it's one of those it's that it's fun. just like you see it and you won't forget the weirdness, but you also won't remember a lot of it. Honestly, if you watch half an hour and then stop, you have a lot of fun. It's all nonsense. But then And it could have been way through, more fun. But then they're saved through the power of friendship. And kissing your imaginary friends. That why was that there? I just That, that wasn't even her imaginary friend. There and there was nothing at all that suggested a romance of any kind at all he throughout the entire thing. Right, he kind of has the mind of a child too. It's just, it's. I feel like that Disney was just like, you gotta put it in because maybe reasons. for a, maybe for a trailer. I don't know. I don't. I I'm so confused. Overall, yay! Yeah, yay! Go watch it if you want to. You can skip it too. I, I'm more curious now to see how many more of these are actually, like, insane. I'd rather watch Genius again, honestly. Genius was a lot of fun. That was the one before this. Next up, Josh, we have to do a different one. Different Horse de- Sense. Right. Horse Sense is the name of the next DCOM from the year 2000. Which I've never heard of that movie before. Hey, Josh. Hi. Is it time to move on? I don't know. Is it? Well, guess what's next? That's a thing. News. News? The Weekly Geekly. Whoa. That's a term that sounds stupid. I like it, though. So, about three weeks ago, Josh, guess what happened? Thanks. Right, right after we recorded with Nikhil. What? The Super Bowl. Whoa. <laughs> well, it premiered the trailer for Doctor Strange 2 with um, a wonderful cameo from Patrick Stewart. Yes. Which... Spoilers, I guess, isn't the first major trailer of the movie, so it's fine. Also, he's not denying it. He has openly talked about the role now on interviews. I mean, he's old. <laughs> so, like, him put, doing, like, doing what a lot of actors have done with denying just over and over again, he's old. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to talk about the stuff that he's doing. Right. Uh, yay on the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. We get to see some American Sh- America Chavez. We get to see... Patrick Stewart looks like an Ultron bots and people, uh, a, a figure. Possibly Illuminati, we don't know. I have a feeling that all the chairs will be full in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see a figure that people are saying, it's Iron Man, it's Nova, it's Monica Rambo, it's vague character with powers flying through the air. Okay, it's, yep. it's, uh, it's superior Iron Man, played by Tom Cruise. Very clearly not a white man. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, overall, trailer looks fun. My biggest problem with it, the movie right now, is all I know is cameo speculation. The trailer has no idea of plot or story. I'm fine with that. I want... Right, but only thing people talk about the movie ever is nothing... No one's talking about story at all. The only thing people talk about this movie is cameos. Well, I mean, with No Way Home, a lot... We got the base idea of the plot, but we knew nothing else of what it was gonna be. I don't know the basic idea of the plot of this movie is, really. I'm I'm fine with that. I would rather go in knowing nothing than knowing stuff. (laughs) Because I'm already fully in. And, like, the trailer you have, it's it's directly saying that this is a Sam Raimi movie. Because you see from director Sam Raimi. Very rarely does Marvel ever do that for their movies. So, like, having that there is already a great sign. And just weird visuals and weird things are happening. And Patrick Stewart cameo, like... 
That's enough to get people to come and see it. Why don't we tell him the truth? Is what Patrick Stewart says. What truth? Tr- what truth? The truth about God existing. <laughs> Which in the Marvel Universe he does. The one above all. He's the real God in the universe. There's like four devils though. So that's interesting. Uh, yay? Yeah. Guess what's happening, Josh? Involving Marvel? Stuff. You know this already. Netflix shows are coming to Disney Plus now. Including Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Punisher, and Defenders. And Iron Fist. Yes. I was very shocked when I heard that they were coming to Disney Plus because they're very heavy on the R rating. They're adding par- yeah, they're adding- they just don't say fuck or show boobs. <laughs> That's all they don't do. They're adding parental controls now to Disney Plus so you can have an R rated section of things. I am so excited to see it just plopped over the MCU though in the timeline on there and see how people go and try to just watch the next show or next movie. I'm just excited for the parents that haven't heard of these and see Marvel and think, oh, this will be fun for my kids to watch. They just start seeing those graphic violence or sex scene and then freak out about it. I can't wait for it. The Jessica Jones season one with Luke Cage sex scenes. It's so... I watched this with my dad. It was a weird time. I'm sorry. It's like, oh, look at the cinematography. Look at the, the purple lighting. I remember I was watching it when it came out, and my little brother had walked in the room. Nothing had happened yet, and I didn't pause it just because, like, nothing was happening. Then it just immediately, like, cuts to his sex scene, and, like, I, like, grabbed the remote. I was kind of throwing it at the TV because I was just worried. I didn't throw it at the TV, but it was just, like, a really jerking arm motion. But yay, they're going to Disney Plus. Yay that they are going to be back with Marvel's hands, and they'll probably be renewed now because I have more news about this. Neat. Because uh, Charlie Cox has now said he is not done playing Daredevil. Openly said that now No Way Home was not his last time playing the role. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, as well as Finn Jones has started hitting the gym again. Uh, Chris Ritter, oh, he played Iron Fist. Chris Ritter has now dyed her hair purple again. Mm-hmm. Um, these are coming now at Disney+. Plus. We It looks like renewals might be happening in the future for these shows. If they're going this far to add parental controls to have more R-rated stuff and putting these on there and not Hulu... Then it's a sign that they want to continue doing it. Also, here's a, a, a quote from um, viacomicbook.com. But Charlie Cox Brown said he's down for a PG-13 version of Daredevil in the MCU. I don't want that. Uh, it, this specific version, I don't want that. I'd find him interacting with anyone. If he, if he can be in a... Th- like, like no, I'm fine with it being like... in If he's like in another thing. He said he's fine with a PG-13 version of the character. I mean, he can be a part of the movies and stuff. Okay, I interpreted that as the show turning PG-13. Which, I'm the fine. way the show is, I don't think it should be. I don't think any of them should be. I'm f- I think what? any show PG-13 is fine. I'm just, the way that they've, if it had started that way, that's one thing. But these started out as not that. I have a very unpopular opinion that I think nothing in the MCU period are at all. Because I think it, it the way we were watching these movies and shows and stuff like that was as teenagers and kids and stuff. And I think every other person... Well, I think there's certain stuff that kids should not watch no matter what. Like, taking Jessica Jones and trying to do that in a PG-13 sense, you can't do. It's something that kids change should... the show. I'm, I know, I'm saying that nothing needs to... I'm just saying... Or Punisher, for example. Like, there's just some stuff that just should not be made for kids. I don't disagree with that. I think that everything has to you because it's like missing an episode of your favorite show. You, you're not, not allowed to watch. It just feels wrong to me. Like... I, I don't know. I'm not a huge. I think that everything in the MCU it becomes kind of gatekeepy. Like I don't. I'm not a fan of it. Make everything rated. Make everything in the MCU rated PG-13 or under. That way, everyone can watch it. Everyone who everyone who started watching Fire Emblem One can watch everything else in the MCU because they don't miss it up part of the story. That's how I feel. But I'm excited overall for these shows to come back. I want to see more of these characters. Yay! 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 Nope. That's a trailer. Yes. Jordan Peele releases trailer for Nope 
uh, about a few years after the Super Bowl. No, it was after the Super Bowl. Yeah. And interesting how I learned nothing. Yeah. At all. I'm not more or less excited than I was beforehand. I am excited because I liked Us and Get Out. Yep. And I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. Again, I love when trailers don't tell me shit. But I'm going to give a yay because I don't have any other opinions on it. Same. Uncharted came out. We watched Uncharted. You played all the games. I have. Like the movie? Yeah, I surprisingly did. I think it's fun. I'm saying if you worry about Tom Holland being uh, Nathan Drake, he does a good job. As someone that has been a longtime fan of these games, stop saying he's just Peter Parker as this. He's at, he's not only good in the role, he is a good actor. There, Watch his other things where he's not Peter Parker, because he is a good actor. Watch The Devil All the Time. Watch Cherry. Don't watch Chaos Walking. It's just a bad movie overall. There's just... He knows what he's doing as an actor. So, like, he makes this not Peter Parker. Yeah, there's definitely some parts where he's a bit teenagery, but overall he's very charismatic, very swaggery, and fun. When he's bartending, it's so smooth. Although, Mark Wahlberg is totally, I can take or leave. Mark Wahlberg in general, I can take or leave. He's just kind of there. You just need to see him in more good stuff. I just think he's an okay person. He kind of plays himself in most things. Which is fine. I've given you multiple suggestions of stuff of his to watch. I'm just saying, from what I've seen in my life, he's fine. And that's not a bad thing. Uncharted is fun. Do you want me to go into the differences between this and the games? It's not It's not a lot. And I can do it very quickly. Uh, okay, if you want to avoid any spoilers for Uncharted, then we can go to the next segment here. There'll be timestamps down below. Go ahead, Josh. Okay, so... Let me let me think. Figure it out. Like two minutes. So so the big thing of Sam being dead, uh, and it was because of Sully. That's not how it goes down in the games. In the games, it's around the age that Tom Holland is, like twenty five, twenty six, something like that. They're in prison in somewhere in the Caribbean, somewhere like that, to figure out uh, where this pirate treasure is that they've been looking for. And as they're escaping, Sam uh, dies in prison, or at least he thinks he dies. So that's why for the first three games, we never hear him, and it's never mentioned at all why he's not there. And then in the fourth game, he reappears. But Sully had nothing to do with that at all. Their name was never, their last name was never Drake. They were never related to um, Sir Francis Drake. That was something that they came up with as they had to, oh, this is going to take forever. Okay, so I'm going to break, break down. They weren't Drake. Their original name was Morgan because their mom was an archaeologist. But she died. Their dad dropped them off at an orphanage. Um, <laughs> lot, there are a lot of major differences then. Lot, a lot. But it's not it's not big enough that, I, that I'm that i furious that they changed it. I think that it, it's fine for the movie. The necklace... Uh, they don't really they don't really mention it, but it's supposed to be Sir Francis Drake's um, necklace. That's why it has his uh, slogan of "Sick Parvis Magna" from "Great Greatness Comes from Small Beginnings," um, and that becomes important later on in the games. But that necklace was how Nathan and Sully originally met each other because Nathan stole it in a museum in like Spain or something like that, and that's how he and Sully met up and became a team with one another. This movie should have been a lot worse than it was. With oh, fourteen I was so years worried. in hell of development hell. I was so worried. <laughs> it should have been worse. It really should have been. The multiple directors dropping out, multiple writers dropping out. Like There were so many things going against this movie. And yet it worked. I want to know what it was like before they changed it to a prequel. Because I'd be very curious what it would have been like. But would it have been worse for that? Maybe. Yay on Uncharted? I give it a yay. Yay. Here's news, Josh, that will make you happy. That I don't think I don't know if you've heard about yet. I have no idea what I've heard of where I have Also heard. from comicbook.com. Um, Ghost of Tsushima 2 is already in development now. The game? Yes. Cool! You've played the first game, right? It's a great game. 
It's got some cool like cutscene uh, picture mode. I think the, that is the first time a photo mode in a game has actually like not only been a good photo mode, but maybe want to do like photos in a game. I've got some great stuff in that, and I'm not a cinematographer or photographer at all. So that's that's neat. I've not played the game. I've watched him play it sometimes. That looks fun. Combat is very fluid. The story is neat. The world is fucking beautiful. It's a great time. Also, another uh, small fantasy game came out that Josh has been playing nonstop now. Josh, talk about, it for, talk about it for a second. So, Elden Ring, for those of you that don't know, is the newest game from the creators of the Dark Souls game series. It's a weird fantasy world, and there's you die a lot. <laughs> or you die a lot, at least. I've, I'm not the only one that has. It is very challenging. It is very difficult. Uh, I should hate it, but I don't. <laughs> These games have never attracted me at all before, but for some reason this one does. I think it's because not only George R. R. Martin, who created Game of Thrones, uh, worked on this in, in certain parts, but the weird batshit fantasy stuff that's in this game, just, I, I love it. Just the weird creatures, the weird people, the weird settings, it's so insane, but I love it. And... And while I Breath of the Wild is a good game, I'm not denying that. I'm not a fan of how it doesn't tell you what to do. For some reason in this one, I'm fine with that. And I don't know why. It's very weird. But this game, literally, it doesn't tell you what your story is. It doesn't tell you where to go. It doesn't tell you the side quests. You don't get to keep track of anything. It literally gives you nothing. It just says, go do. Breath of the Wild gives you more information than that does. I'm aware it does. But there's other things that it doesn't give you information on. But for some reason, I'm fine with it here. And I don't understand why. That hurts me. I love Zelda so much. But yeah, and Ghost of Tsushima... Yep. Ghost of 2? <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima 2. Yes. Yay on uh, Elwind. <laughs> Elwind! If you, if you have a system that can play Elden Ring and you like fantasy, play this. Just know, you're gonna die a lot and you will get frustrated. So yay? Uh, yay. Here's something that will make you happy again, Josh. Peacemaker got renewed for season 2. Yay. I gave a thumbs up and realized that this is audio only, so I have to talk. Just to spite Josh, nay. How dare you. I've seen the last episode. Well, you've seen parts of it. Well, I've seen the whole last episode. <laughs> right, you were in the room. <laughs> the entire last episode. But you had context to almost nothing. I saw most of the big ones throughout the whole show because it was in the room for a lot of it. I'm not a big fan of what I've seen, but that's not, I, not a huge deal either way. I think, okay, so my mini review of Peacemaker... Uh, it's really good. James Gunn is obviously a great writer and director. John Cena, best he's ever been in anything. He's got some great scenes here. The action is fantastic. Uh, the story is a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. It goes to a lot of places I didn't expect. However, this is the first time that that Gunn's humor did start to annoy me. Guardians 2, there's definitely moments of that, but it's more for it, it erupts emotional beats. Here, there's just stuff that just goes on for too long. Like, jokes that just, like, go on. It's just like, okay, the funny part has passed, and you're still going. And I think that's just, he had total creative freedom with this. I think that's why. So I hope for season two, he cuts down on that. But overall, I really liked it. I just don't like his humor as much as everyone else does. But, so nay for that one for me, there's also a different trailer, Josh, that you won't like. Is it Morbius? <laughs> I'm not mentioning the Morbius trailer right now. Is actually a trailer for a new Fairly Odd Parents show. Oh god. A live action Fairly Odd Parents show with uh 2D elements of of Kazo and Wanda. Okay, so when I heard the announcement that this show was happening, I thought it was gonna be like the Drake Bell movies where it would be like a normal, like filmed show. But that's not the case. 
It is a sitcom uh-huh. like iCarly or Victorious done exactly in that format. That does not work for the Fairly Odd Parents at all. And not to mention, it just looks terrible. The animation with the live action does not mix at all in this. The humor is just not there. We're also very much not this target demographic. Okay, but I've gone back and rewatched episodes of Fairly Odd Parents when Paramount Plus came out, and like the old stuff still holds up. So like this should still so if they're putting in the effort, this should be fine for anyone. But we were still talking target demographic for that. I could show this to a seven year old and they wouldn't laugh. It's not none of the jokes are jokes. It's just like whoa, golden pants. It's like I guess that was a joke. I don't know how it was a joke. I guess it was a joke. Was that a joke? The, like the kid wishes. No, for I saw. Some, I, I wish for something golden. And she's like, "Whoa, my pants are gold." Yeah, yeah it's golden pants. I know. And everything he touches turns to gold too. And he turns his sister to gold, or whatever. But like, I don't think those were jokes. That was just like hijinks. No, that was those were jokes. Oh, I, I don't know if you understand comedy, but that was comedy. <laughs> Couldn't you tell? All uh, right, you're the comedian. I am the comedian. <laughs> you are the comedian. But I love it that Timmy is there to give his. Godparents away, which doesn't make any god in sense. canon. He is a fairy now. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to skip past that. But no, no, the... no, hold on, hold on. If we address the, if other liar conversions to be turned in the past now, also in the universe, he wished for all children to stop aging. That's why I'm I'm aware. I've seen that episode. It's a weird episode. <laughs> so he's kind of just the worst character in all of the Glorious Pride history. Correct, but. In the rules of the universe, he is supposed to get... His godparents are supposed to go away when he's, like, 13 or becomes a teen or something like that. He is a full-grown-ass adult here. They so what's going to be their excuse now? Yeah, they address it in Channel Chasers so well when I figure out in the whole show. Oh, so good. I, I never knew that it was Alec Baldwin until I looked it up a few years ago. Really? He's Yeah, he's the adult Timmy in that. I hear it now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nay on this trailer. Hard nay on the trailer and the show. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm also going to watch it because I hate myself. You're going to watch it. I know you. I'm I'm aware just to see how terrible it is. I watched all of Titan Season 3. Stop saying terrible. We say nay or yay. I will say terrible on this if I feel like it. He does not speak for the brand of the company. (laughs) Josh speaks only for himself. Remember, he is XXGamerLord2004XX. XXX. I don't care. I just, I, it's, it's not for me. I don't know who it's for, but it's not for me. It's, it's not for fans that grew up with the show. It's clearly not for them. I guess it's, it's for a new audience. I guess, but it's not the right way to do it. This is, and this is made for Paramount Plus. This isn't going to Nick. It's like, there's no excuse for it to be this way. This show has had the weirdest amount of spinoffs and downhill slides. When Poof came in, that, you could say that was the start of the decline, but it wasn't bad. And Foop was great. I love Foop. He's great. Um, the the whole Hold goatee on. and everything. What's funny about Foop to me is my family. We didn't. We were not allowed to say fart growing up as a kid. We always said Foop. We said Foop as the word. And then when the show, we're like, it's Foop. He must smell bad. But then when the dog came in, that's when the stark decline really started for the show. There's a dog. Oh, there isn't also like a, there a girl he get he shares his fairies with. Correct. There's a dog. And then the final season, I guess, to just like try to save the show he then shares his godparents with this random girl i think the dog by then is gone because everyone hated him and but that was the last time that the show was on and it just it was i watched an episode it was bad well it's okay i have better news for you josh it's about morbius no but it is about the spunk universe oh, god damn it aka the sony pictures universe of marvel characters it's god damn it gone <laughs> the movie craven the hot hot the movie. <laughs> I thought you would say Craven the Hawk. 
<laughs> the cra <laughs> the Raven the Hawk. So the movie Craven the Hunter, starring Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven, just cast another uh, character, aka brother of Sergei Kravinov, the Chameleon, mm -hmm. who's also the first Spider-Man villain ever. It was Uncle Ben Killer and then Cra uh, Chameleon. So that's in the order of Spider-Man events. Uh, played by White Lotus breakout Fred Hetchinger. Hetchinger? Hetchinger? Uh, I've seen the first episode of White Lotus. He looks familiar. I don't know about this. I can't give it a yay or a nay. So I'm going to give it a nay because I don't want this movie to exist. <laughs> I don't want this Spunk universe to exist. We, we do have the other casting news for Craven also. Who? Uh, what's, what's her name uh, from West Side Story? Um... Ariana something. DeBose? Yes. Yeah. She's playing someone. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, I'm talking about this news specifically, though. I, I like thought, Chameleon. I thought, just, I thought it was just Craven news overall. I like Chameleon. I don't want this movie to exist. No. Uh, if you're going to do Craven, he should be in the MCU against needs, Spider Man. It needs to be him with Spider Man. That's his whole thing, is that Spider Man is the ultimate prey to him. Like, Venom's whole thing is also about Spider Man. All his villains' whole things is about Spider Man. Correct. It doesn't work. So, nay on Spunk in general. Yeah. But I'll give a yay just for Aaron Taylor Johnson because he's a good actor. And I feel like that he doesn't get the credit he deserves, yet he's been in so many great things. It's mm. a very weird thing with him. Uh, here are spoilers. If you've not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, please, there are timestamps down below in every version of the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Audible, everywhere. Click the next part if you want to avoid spoilers from No Way Home. You've been warned. You've been about it for like three months anyway. They are now doing press tours, finally, <laughs> with Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland together. I thought that Sony would have done it way sooner. Which uh, is weird that Sony is the one that showed control over spoilers. Because, like, Marvel has a problem with, like, after a few weeks or, like, a month the movie's been out. Like, like put, Yeah, like, again, they'll just put all the big stuff in trailers now to get people to keep going to see the movie. They never did it here. Which I was surprised that they should restrain. And that was good. I'm glad I did that. I'm surprised. Because you were one someone recently who hadn't seen it and then avoided all spoilers and mm -hmm. managed to go in blind and be surprised. That was great. Yeah. And Sony helped that experience happen. Mm -hmm. But yes, they've been doing press tours and it's been amazing. There's been arguments about, about the fake butt. That's a whole other thing. Uh, Tom said someone one of the co-stars has a fake butt when they were firemen and they both denied it. <laughs> um, maybe that's Tom's fake butt. Who knows? There have been a lot of fun times and fun talks we've had now together, and they've just been so open about this movie. But the three of them doing press screens together and having photo shoots together as Spider-Man. There's a picture of Tom Holland doing the prom post with Andrew Garfield holding him, like like prom uh, dates. Amazing. There's they're doing the pointing pointing meme together. It's great. There's in like one of the short videos you can see uh, Toby is showing them the emo Peter dance. Yeah, he's just probably when he got on set the first thing he did was start dancing in the suit. <laughs> I love that. There's so much fun. So yay on being able to do this. And also, the news for this is that they're doing this press for the DVD, Blu-ray, digital releases of the, the film coming out. Which I'll be getting all three of those. You probably will too as well. You'll be buying the Blu-ray, so it comes with the DVD. That's what I'm saying. I'll, oh. be, getting all I'll be getting all three. Blu-ray, DVD, and Blu uh, digital. Yay. 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 That's almost all the news. There's one more thing that's kind of annoying. I'm so sorry, Josh. So. It's Morbius. It's always Morbius to you. <laughs> we haven't had like, a Morbius news that often. Is it Morbius? No. It comes from the Hollywood Reporter, and it's about the Academy Awards. Oh, goody. You I know what this is already. This is. 
So there'll be I'm gonna list a certain amount of categories on that'll be televised live during the Oscars. They will be doing a recording of them to cut them up, edit them, and put them instead. Even though these categories are the ones that had the most non-celebrity rec- uh, parts. That's why. But it's annoying. Here's why. So we have, they're cutting out the live portion of film editing, makeup slash hairstyling, original score, production design, sound, documentary short, animated short, and live action short. Literally, most, a lot of the three, four of those are movies. <laughs> What's upsetting about this to me is that these are the most unsung heroes of the awards, and they're the ones who deserve to be the live part most to be able to go and bring their family to the award and all this stuff, and it's just... Wait, let me see this list again. Fucking score. God, that... Mm, I hate that. Even as a kid, when I would... I would watch the Oscars. I think I started when I was, like, 12 or something like that. I liked seeing, like, the stuff that was nominated, because I didn't know what any of that meant, but I thought that it was cool. And then, you know, as I got older, learned more about film, and now I'm in film school, actually, like, knowing what this shit means and what and how important it is, and seeing the recognition that the stuff gets, it's nice <laughs> to see it, like, on screen happening. But now they're just like, you know, if he doesn't have a famous face on it, who the fuck cares? Give, 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 the, give Matthew McConaughey on stage, why don't ya? I am split on the Oscar stuff in general, because on the one hand, I like it. I like it awards, I think it's a fun thing, but on the other hand, it is literally just famous rich people giving awards to famous rich people after already making their millions of dollars on the movie. So they need millions of dollars plus a trophy. Yeah. Like, it's really pretentious, and they're upset the ratings are going down. But the ratings are going down because they're just a bunch of white celebrities can't pay, uh, pandering to the, the large demographics who don't care about the awards. They... It's so fascinating that everyone keeps telling them, do X, Y, Z, and we'll watch it, and they'll go, actually, we're going to do A, B, C, and completely ignore what you're asking us to do. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, like, the changes in the stuff that they've been doing over the years. Like, I want to see live the stuff that they're talking about sound, or score, or makeup and hairstyling, and editing is so interesting to me as an art form, and it's just it's being ignored. Also... There's short films. The three short film categories on here. They're actual films. I was as a kid. I was always fascinated seeing like the short films because like I only knew Pixar. I didn't know like other short films existed. So it's like seeing that. I'm just like, and now oh, you're making short cool. films. Yeah, like it just it doesn't fucking make any sense. What's also hard with this is that we're making short films right now, and it's like this is how people are treating people who are making short films. It's not good. It's it's I don't understand. <laughs> Nay. Nay. Josh, you have time for? Morbius. The bat himself. <laughs> different bat. Not a vampire bat. Well, actually, yes, a vampire bat. Edward Cullen. Anyway, we watched The Batman in early screening, and now we're talking about it. We watched Rob Bat, Bat and Bat. That's a reference to the, the Weekly Planet podcast, a podcast we also listen to a lot. Yes. Uh, wow. Terrible film. God, just, I hated it. Oh, worst, worst movie. Worst picture of Dick Grayson. I've ever seen on screen. Look, if you're gonna fuck in the Batmobile, at least use the headrest. You know, I thought DC said heroes don't do that. I oh, mean, no, very clearly they, they do. do. I mean, apparently they do. Fucking traitors. I mean, and the worst part of all, the worst part was that there were three Jokers in the movie. Fucking no. Jerry Lowe came back. He Let's came talk about that. For like half the movie. What was that? Riddler got sidelined. No. When they brought out the dildos. <laughs> Amazing movie, though, right? Oh, Amazing movie. Fucking- everything we just said was a lie. As, as Luke Skywalker once said in Last Jedi, everything out of your mouth was then was a lie. <laughs> yeah, incredible film. 
<laughs> That's what broke me just then. That was, I was hoping it would. The dildos broke me. Oh, wait, let's rephrase that. We'll keep uh, that in. Keep that in. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, to me, best Batman film probably. Yep. Um, it's hard to compete with the Lego Batman movie, but this very much surpassed it. You can listen to a good part of this podcast with non spoilery first, then jump ahead to our next section. All good and all clear, and then come back when you finish the movie. So, um, I've seen all of Matt Reeves' films. He's I've seen his best. I've seen the Apes ones and this. And this is still just wow. Yeah. When, <sighs> when I heard Matt Reeves was going to direct this back in, what was it, 2019 when it was announced? Or was it 2018? I think it was 2018. 2018. When it, when it was the Justice League, or, yeah. Yeah, when he was announced as director, I was just like, oh, that's all I need. I will go be, I'll be there day one. I, I have complete and total faith that Matt Reeves is a filmmaker. He is amazing. Knows what the fuck he's doing. And this very clearly shows. You know who Matt Reeves is? He's a director. He's pretty great. He's on Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War of the Planet of the Apes. He's on the Cloverfield Paradox? He, no, he did the first Cloverfield, Cloverfield, and he did Dawn and War of Planet. He didn't do Rise. That's right, he didn't Rise, you're right. And he did the remake of... Uh, what was it called? Um, was it Let the Right One In? I th- oh, yes. Yeah, he the remake of it. Yeah, he remade... Um, I, I think the original was, one. Yeah, and it's pretty much it's pretty much the same thing. I think that's his weakest film. Still good, but I, seeing the original, I think, brought that down. But that's besides the point. Still a fantastic director. Um, And this is... Okay, this is a three-hour movie. It is a horror noir film. I say horror correctly. It is a horror noir film. Nope. Yep. Small children, if you're listening to this, number don't one, don't watch it. Why? Number two, parents that are bringing your small children, I'd say reconsider. The, if you if you know what the Zodiac killer is or the Jigsaw killer is, um, this movie will scar your children. They introduced the uh, the brother in this movie like Michael Myers. It's fucking great. He introduced in the same way Michael Myers is introduced in, in all the Halloween films. So maybe with that in mind alone, they lean into the horror aspects of this movie in the mythos really well. I will say, there was a lot less kids at that screen than I thought that there was going to be. There were still some. I, I know her. there were still some, but I was, overall, I, I did, expected there would be more. I did see a parent cover their kids' eyes sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Our boss today, Sean, he asked me, can I take my 11-year-old to see this movie? I said, nope. Hard <laughs> no. Uh, he's like, really? I'm like, yep, no. Because there are brutal murders in this movie. Yeah. It, I'm not saying from Batman. Batman doesn't kill this movie. Which is good. Batman does not kill. In fact, he saves people from death. Actively. And it's so refreshing. Like, I told Josh about this before. My least favorite line in the entire Dark Knight trilogy is in Batman Begins. And it's when Bruce Wayne says to Rachel Ghoul, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Bitch, you're killing him. That is so anti-Batman to me. Out of, out of the realm of Batman, it's a cool moment. But when you remember he's Batman, kind of messes with it. Right. And the only reason I excuse any excuse, the reason I, I go along with some of the killing in BVS is that it's first off, it's collateral. It's less like direct, he's not going to pull a gun in someone. Until the warehouse. Until the warehouse. Fight. Fight. <laughs> yes. But it's a, that version of Batman is also about diving in the deep dark of how low can he go. And I'm like, it's not meant to be. The, the clean, shiny Batman we got before. But my problem with that is that they act like that he learned his lesson. Then the warehouse fight oh, scene yeah. happens. Um, yes. And it's just like, well, he learned nothing. Right. I'm, oh, I'm not defending Snyder's Batman in this case, in this movie. This movie... And if we have Snyder fans come saying that, that that version of Batman is better than this, 
Or if, You're just wrong. Or if Snyder understands Batman better than anyone, then you clearly have only read The Dark Knight Returns. And even then, you have read it incorrectly. Snyder likes the look of things more than the substance of things. Yes, I've been saying that for years. Watchmen alone. <laughs> he, it's oh. like he looked at the pictures and said, these are cool pictures. It's like he ignored what Rorschach's all about. Correct. It's like, That's ah. exactly what he did. But he but he got an actor to say cool things, so it's fine. Uh, Alan Moore wrote... Um, Alan Moore wrote... Yeah. Mm. Alan Moore hates the movie Watchmen. Understandable. <laughs> so, Very understandable. Like, this is not right. Well, he never wanted an adaptation to get made. Right. It also goes against the characters in the story. Every version of the, the movie and the show both don't credit Alan Moore because he doesn't want to be credited. It's just the um, artist that gets credited. Right. Non-spoilery. This movie does rank above The Dark Knight to me, for me. And I think for Josh too, right? I would, I would say yes, but I can understand some arguments depending. But it's for this, it's more kind of a case-by-case basis. I also can understand there are some similarities the movies have too with some moments. People will complain saying, that, that, that's, just, that's just like the Dark Knight did that thing. I'm like, yeah, but this did it better here. It's like... I, it's always funny when people are just like, it did the thing from that one movie. I'm like, that's what cinema is. Like, it's like when uh, Coppola... Was it? Who's it? Who's Cop- it? When Coppola said that uh, you could pick out any two scenes from like Dune or No Time to Die, and they would be the exact same, just like then you clearly haven't seen the movies because just... I can't see a car chase in Dune at all. Oh, you mean three act structure, hero's journey stuff? Interesting. It's uh... it's uh, interesting. Unless it's a direct reference, then there's no reason to like get mad that it's doing something like another film did because that's just how cinema works. Right. Also, movies. Even just like the way they're shot, reference to other films all the time. Yeah. There's a shot on my short film I did that the other day that Josh asked me, "Are you doing a Lord of the Rings shot?" I said, "Yes, I am," <laughs> because I'm just I get inspired by all sorts of cinema. Literally, all genres of cinema get inspired both of us all the time. It's how it works. Yep. So we're not complaining about Dark Knight being better or worse than whatever, or this being better or worse than whatever. The Batman. They're just both good movies. Yep. I think this movie understands the mythos of the character and who he is in a comic book setting better than Nolan did. This movie I told Josh is what I wanted the Dark Knight to be. The biggest problem with the Dark Knight for me or the Dark Knight trilogy is that to me those movies are too grounded in reality they lose some of the comic book aspects and it pulls away from the characters. But to me I've said it before many times that I love Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker. I don't love his performance as the Joker. The inflection there is different for a reason. His f- performance is phenomenal. It is beautiful and horrific and hor- horrific, horrific and frightening. But to me, and this is just a personal preference, preference thing, I the Joker is like one of my favorite characters of all the comic books, and probably is my number one favorite character of all the comic books because I just think he's fascinating, not in a dude bro kind of way. I just like cool villains, and I like his style, and he's got fun purple suits and stuff. I like him for a dumb Yo, reason. dude, have you ever seen the movie Joker? Oh, man, it is my it is my high. I love that movie. Dude, that's like movies right there. That's that's what I think they call cinema. That's something that's such a duper thing to say. I'm saying I love the Joker, because probably mostly because I first watched Mark Hamill's Joker growing up as a kid and thought, what a cool character, and then read many comic books. What was my first Joker? And then I read many comic books, and I just loved the character. And to me, Heath Ledger performed great as an antagonist. He wasn't, to me, the Joker. The greasy makeup look doesn't work for me as Joker usually. Neither does usually his overall military-esque style. And that's, to me, the same way Nolan did all of his characters in his films. Besides Scarecrow, Scarecrow felt right. 
the right amount of batshit insane with this enjoying I, the fear. My favorite thing about Scarecrow was that, but after Batman Begins, he's just reduced down to a cameo, and, and it's, it's so but, funny. In the, the third one, he, I am the judge of this dystopia. It's just like no one just wanted uh, Killian Murphy to be back, and Killian was just like, "Sure, I'll, I'll come back for a cameo." And I think it's fun, and that to me is very Scarecrow. Mm. Everyone else, I'm like, no, you're, you're you're playing characters in Nolan's playgrounds. You're not playing these comic book characters as much. In this movie, it's different. I don't know how to explain it fully, but everything just feels like the right balance of I'm existing in a world of of reality while also existing fully in a comic book universe. Like they treat Gotham City, they go to the I- fucking iceberg lounge. That made me so happy. No giant iceberg though. But so. we meet. Automatic for me. <laughs> we see Penguin in his natural habitat. They call him Penguin. They don't call him... like the, They just casually refer to him as the Penguin. And I love that. They refer to... First off, they, the Riddler is the Riddler. They don't, they, would have, they don't leave out the name for anyone. Uh, Selena Kyle... I think they call him like, just a cat burglar. I'm like, that's she she like references herself as a cat, but they don't explicitly say Catwoman. She's got claws. She has the ears. She has a lot of cats. She like I like I like strays. Um, like the way that Catwoman's kind of always been done in media, how she's never really been really been Catwoman-ish enough. But like Zoe Kravitz is phenomenal in the role. She wants her friend Annika back. That's all her character is for a while. I th- I think the best way I can describe this movie is if you're looking for like a perfect representation of the dark gritty Gotham that Frank Miller. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Created in Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns, this is a fantastic representation of that kind. 
It's not exact to that, but if you're looking for something like that that has not been represented correctly in film, then this is it. Because, like, when you look at the Dark Knight trilogy and BVS, Gotham is just a city. That's all it is. It's nothing, yes. it's nothing else. This doesn't... It's a city, but it feels it's lived different. In. It feels very different and very lived in. It's the way that... People describe Burton's Gotham as a character, and that's mean doesn't isn't quite right. I think Schumacher's Gotham is more of a character. It has it has a distinct style, look, and feel, not in a good way, but it has it. It it, it definitely has it, and I remembered it more than I remembered uh, Burton's. Burton's. Right, and here we go from we know a bit of the geography of the city because we see it. We see numerous maps of the city first off, numerous times. Maybe you pay attention. You're like, okay, that's what that is. But also you get shots of cityscape with certain buildings in view numerous times from angles. Like, oh, that's close to that place, that kind of thing. Mm. And that's really cool. It's confusing going back to the Dark Knight trilogy because Dark Knight was filmed in Chicago and Rises was filmed in New York City. So it's a, it's already a different landscape altogether. And if you watch those movies back to back, it's just going to be like, wait, this feels off. <laughs> this doesn't feel right. Right. And this was filmed, I think, all in London. Uh, Yes. Right. Which all which gives it a very different feel because the architecture of London is very different from America. Yeah, it, I love the way they did the Batcave, the way they did Wayne Manor. Which isn't he doesn't stay in it? He stays in, in Wayne Tower. Also fascinating. I, it's a it's a choice and it works thematically for the movie. And we see Bruce more as Batman than as Bruce in this movie. He is Batman like ninety five percent of this movie. He is barely out of the suit, and I love that. And it really leads to the idea that he is Batman. Bruce is the mask. Yeah, this he may be Batman for two years, but he still very clearly is figuring out what and who Batman is and who he is. And this is not, not a spoiler at all, but if, he, if you're tired of seeing the Waynes get killed, it does not happen on screen in this movie. I was so happy because I hate seeing it in movies now because I've seen it every single version of Batman has it and it drives me insane. The only times I haven't seen it, Titans, Batman vs. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and this. <laughs> But I think all the Arkham games have it at one point. All the, the no one's I trilogy. don't think Batman Robin has it. The show? The movie. Oh. Um, I know what happens in Forever. Forever they reference it. Burns they reference it. Not Returns, though. They reference it in Batman 1. Yeah. When it's like a sequel like that, they don't. I'm telling you all four of those are sequels. The three of those are sequels. Oh, that's a weird thing. Anyway, this movie's great. Um, like I said before, the landscape of Gotham that he feels lived in, Jim Gordon... Just lets Batman walk into the crime scene. Yeah. One of the first scenes. I, I love that the movie doesn't feel a need to have to explain everything to the audience. That they that they are aware that most of the audience has seen some version of Batman and understand how the shtick goes. And even for those that haven't seen anything Batman, to them it's like that's off, but it makes sense for the world. Like they know that's not like protocol for him to allow that, but there's clearly a reason and some history behind it. And we don't need it all explained to us. And other cops don't trust Batman, but they know he won't hurt them. Yeah. And I love that it's also really cool, because in media, cops might think that Batman might hurt them still. No, he they know he at some point, he's a vigilante, but he's try. they all know he's trying to do the right thing. This movie does my favorite thing that no Batman media has done at all yet. Two things together. Treat Batman as a hero first and foremost, which doesn't happen a lot anymore, and it's so confusing, while also critiquing the idea that most people say Batman is just a brutal guy who just beats mentally on the street and that goes on his day. And that's 
That's, I hear that all the time. Batman is just a brute and, who beats up bad guys and walks away. And I love it because the way the film goes and how his arc progresses, it starts out seeing him as just like this psychopath that's attacking people on the streets. Yes, he's attacking people that are doing bad things, but so far, but the first people that he attacks, they're just like harassing a guy like on a subway station, and they, like he just brutalizes them. And that's in the trailer as well. Yeah, and then by the end, like where his arc goes, it's just like oh. Oh, this all makes so much sense now. Bruce Wayne's arc is the critique of the modern-day view of that. He has an arc. The only Batman movie that has an arc is the Lego Batman movie. No, <laughs> Batman Begins has an arc, but it's out of order. It's so <laughs> it's so small, though. No one would consider it an arc. <laughs> also, this movie, it's read like a comic book, because a lot of comic books have Batman's narration. I this movie the, starts out with his narration. I was so happy hearing narration for Batman. And that's something you just don't get in comic book movies. Because there's so much like inner monologuing from the heroes just to either describe something or just talk about their mental state. But we never see it. Like, I love reading Spider-Man comics and seeing his inner monologue. Because it's not only funny and witty, but we get to see more of it. And seeing that here made me really happy. We get to know what Bruce Wayne thinks about everything around him. He monologues in his Batman voice. <laughs> it's amazing. He, and he says that uh, villains are looking for me in the shadows. What they don't know is I am the shadows. And it's incredible because as an audience member, every time we see a shadow, we're looking for Batman. But he's not in the shadows. He literally is the shadow. It's so cool. That, that opening of the criminals like doing just like graffiti tagging like something. They see the bat signal and then like they look in the shadows like, wait, is he here? Is he, is he near me? Like that's so fucking They genius. make people afraid of shadows. Even when he isn't there. It's so smart. Like, BVS, like, you get that one scene of the of Batman in that place. The first thing we see is... Okay, I'm describing it wrong. But you know yes, the same time. the cops about. come in and there's yes, with their shotguns. Where it's yes. like a brief horror scene. But it's not done correctly. It's focusing on the it cops looks being cool. scared. It looks cool. But it should, should have been focused on the criminal the whole time. Not on the cops coming in afterwards. But here, we see it throughout the whole thing that criminals are just terrified of this man. And that's in BVS. They say the word Jesus, I think, four times. Yes. It's like, Jesus, 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 holy Jesus. I'm like, okay, it's, calm down. It's like, Jesus, 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 and then Christ. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's uh, like, ah, I see what you're doing there, Snyder. <laughs> Is he a god? <laughs> Paul Dano's Riddler. Fucking amazing. I want, I pray people talk about him the same way that they talk about Heath Ledger's Joker. But I feel like they won't because there's no tragic stuff that happened to him. What? Well, Kim Phoenix, same people talk about him, so maybe... Well, I think that was more because of all the press that that film got. The the good and the bad. This movie deserves the hype it's getting. Oh, completely. 100%. Please, actually, tweet us. Tell us we're wrong. Be mean to us. Bully us. You can bully him. Don't bully me. No, I'm bully so us. Tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bullying you into this. Bully only Rudy, though. Tweet at us. At GeekSpeakPod with the hashtag GeekSpeakPod. Please, send us any comments, questions, concerns about all of this. We'll discuss it next week. On the podcast with Hunter uh, Ferris. He's going to be next episode. Sweet. From Wholesome Film Talk. And as a guest again. Promoting his next film. When I said it's a horror noir, it literally is a crime story of Batman being the world's greatest detective trying to he, solve crimes. He gets to solve a crime. I've never seen that before in any of this shit. He, and that was the one thing I always wanted to see because I would always hear he's the world's greatest detective. But where the fuck is it? Because we don't ever see it. He might grab a brick out of a wall and put it through a magic computer and automatically knows the crime. And it's like, just like, okay, I guess so. But that's not what I want. We see him actually going and interrogating people. Not like beating them up. Actually just interrogating people. It's great. As Batman and Bruce Wayne. And it's so cool. 
It's so cool. We get to see him be a detective. He's a little bit late on some things, or a little bit wrong on some things, but he's trying his best. <laughs> he's trying his best, guys. Give him Ace the Bat Hound now. God. I would, it'd be so much fun. Okay, spoiler time? Uh, oh, I guess my, my last thought before spoilers. For being three hours, I really like the slow pacing of this. It doesn't even feel slow. I would, there it was, feels there lived I'm just like, I feel like we've seen a lot, and then I check the watch, I'm like, oh, it's only been this long? Oh, cool. Something like Endgame is the same runtime as this, but it goes by very fast. But here, the slowness, I think, works to the film's benefit. Slow pacing here worked really well, mm-hmm. because, and Matt Reeves even touched on this, saying that he thinks it feels like you're living in Gotham mm-hmm. with it. And that's really cool. Spoiler time. Fuck, Josh. What do we talk about first? Spoilers. Uh, Paul Dano. I want to say that... What a man. His regular voice. They did treat like Michael Myers at the beginning. That oh, was yeah, that was great. And actually, all of his kills felt like Michael Myers, too. He was just kind of in the background looming, and then all of a sudden, it's mur- brutal and murder. The rat murder bothered me so much. I loved it. I loved it. it was... It was a perfect mix of Zodiac Killer and Jigsaw Killer. I didn't think they were going to go Jigsaw Killer. That never crossed my mind. Then I see the rat trap, I'm just like, oh, you are going Jigsaw Killer. Oh, that's creepy as hell. If anyone has... Well, at this point, we're assuming you've seen the movie. Please go see the movie now, because we are really heavily spoiling things. Riddler, all his riddles are interesting. And he has a... I don't like the idea of villains now. Like, I'm a, a radical leftist who does some bad things also. What is... They don't do that super much here. But his reasoning is like, I'm a forgotten poor person. I'm an orphan, like like you. I what was really funny about that is when I when he was really starting to go after Thomas Wayne, I'm just like I was just thinking of like all the people getting mad at Mysterio being because of Tony Stark. This is a similar thing to that. It's not at all the, it's same, the same, but thing. it's got similar vibes to it. And I just find it, in my mind, I was just like, that is kind of funny. Also, my one of my favorite brother scenes is it's Batman. What have you done? That's in the trailer. Oh it's, yeah. Is he's him talking to Riddler? Well, he's Riddler's already captured, right? And that's my favorite part because everyone assumed in the trailer that was, that was a fake out capture on a breakout scene. Yeah, it wasn't. He's like, I'm fine being captured now. Yeah, because he has a confession tape. He's just like, by now the police will have me in custody, but that's fine. I want, I want that. It's, it's bound to happen. He's like, I've done what I needed to do. It was already set in motion. I love the making Riddler. Because I'm fine with Riddler being this crazy character like Jim Carrey or like the Arkham games. That's a perfectly fine representation of him. But seeing this creepy shit is great. I do want the, su- the green suit. I want the question mark suit. You can do that. You can make him the same way while giving him a bit more of the, the cane question marks. In, in Arkham City, they put they make him go more jigsaw with certain traps and stuff. But the vibe of it just doesn't necessarily match up. And I think you can do it. You just gotta find the right way to do it. Give him the bowler hat. <laughs> he had the bowler hat in the game. I know. The cane and everything. I like that look. That, that, that dirty kind of... Mm-hmm. That army green kind of suit looked. I think it worked fine. But this person is in a trash bag, pretty much. You should... Why didn't he build racetracks like in Arkham Knight to, to, to throw I'm Batman like, off his game? They call uh, the saran wrap on his head cling wrap because they didn't want to wake saran wrap mad at them. Hmm. I, like, I guess that makes sense. Also... He said for uh, cosplayers, do not use cling wrap because he almost passed out on set and started seeing stars because the first day of set. Jeez. But he didn't tell anyone the first day of set because he didn't want to get fired or get anyone ner- upset with him. <laughs> Damn. Fully embraced that serial killer vibe. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the elephant in the room that was <laughs> the development of this movie for a second. It's been development hell for a while. Because this movie was going to originally be 
in the DCEU heavily with Ben Affleck starring and directing an Arkham Asylum style movie. I'm just going through in one night only, going through Arkham Asylum and going and making his way through all his villains. Interesting concept, especially for Ben's Batman. Mm-hmm. Interesting idea. And then he got swept up in Live by Night and Live by Night, a lot of personal problems, everything with Justice League. Right. And then he's like, I'm not gonna direct this one. He was still writing it and still working on the script with people and still gonna be in it. And then it became, I'm not going to write it. He's still going to start in it. And then it became, <laughs> Matt Reeves was attached to direct it. He's like, okay, this is good. I'm, I trust this idea. And then he left. The DCU entirely. Yeah. And then it became Robert Pattinson doing this, and it became an entirely different movie. And the, I think the only thing that stayed at all was a noir style a little bit. That's yeah. about it. The, the only, and we talked about this yesterday, the only thing I can see that might have stuck over is um, his arc. It would have been different, but a very similar kind of idea of him realizing like um, that his brutality in the way he's doing it is not doing good things and that he needs to rem- remember what he actually was doing this for, and that was to be a hero. So I was thinking earlier how this movie critiques the idea of the brutal Batman that we all, that everyone talks about in media all, now times all the time. Everyone mentions how dark and gritty Batman is all the time, and how it's wonderful. It's not. I mean, it's fine. And this movie talks about that in an interesting way of how they have the darkest, grittiest Batman in the beginning, just beating up criminals, having this deep inner monologue about how he is a shadow, and how he just literally says in the trailer, I am vengeance, and that's his first scene. When I was going to ask, who are you? I'm vengeance. Cool scene, right? Interesting scene, how we see how that plays out, and what that means to the villains of Gotham. Yeah. Oh my god. Because a Riddler has these like Riddler clones, kind of. Well, it's not, clone. Well, like, it's not just that. Riddler is just like, you are part of this. You and I, we are a team on this. Like, this is because this is happening because of you. Right. You inspired me. Not a you completely kind of way of Joker, but like in a way of Riddler doesn't have the physical athletic means to bring the rat into the light, which you know what it means if you've seen the movie, which probably you will have. He, but so they need Batman to do it for him. And he did. And so he was being played by Riddler, like, like manipulated in an interesting way, because like, you're brutal, you'll just beat people up on the street for me. And it's fat, and then we see that click in Bruce's head of, I can't do this this way. And the best part of that is he sees one of Riddler's, like, fake clone, like, like a duplicate mm-hmm. kind of um, guys. He asks who he was, he says, I'm vengeance, like Batman says to, uh, to his enemies earlier. And there's a look on Bruce's face in his eyes. And it changes his entire personality in a moment. And it's a great way to do 180. And the next thing that he does, he sees there's... there Because the city is flooding now and it's flooding in this place. There's people down there. There's, there's wiring. There's a giant down. electrical thing is going to like fall on him. He immediately just runs, jumps on the thing, and cuts it down, not knowing if he's going to live or die. And it's, at this point, we haven't seen him do something like that. He does go out of the movie, the entire movie, to actually save lives. Early on, he stops Catwoman from killing Falcone. Mm-hmm. Falcone does die, but like, not from that. Yeah. But he stopped. He made sure Catwoman was like, "Don't do this. Don't lose. Your, don't lose yourself." And I love that. He says, "Falcone's already paid. Don't make you be the one to pay too." Mm-hmm. I love that line so much. I know what that means. And of course, with Bruce's history, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, "Don't cross that line because of you'll pay, you will be the one paying for it." Beautiful. And then they get a step further by at the end with that "I am vengeance" moment, and Bruce dives into this water. Gets a flare, and it leads a charge of everyone to, to safety. And the next, like, the end of the movie is literally just him dragging people out of the water to safety. 
the enemy is just Batman being on the ground with people helping them. The way he is when he's in the, with the Justice League, the way he is in the comic books when he's with the, with the League, just on the street helping people. And it made me so happy. And it's the reason why I loved Batman as a kid, like in the animated series, or watching like, a show Josh the TV show, The Batman the other day. Early on in the show, what he does is he helps people. And it's my favorite. That's why I love Batman. He's a hero because he wants to help people, not because he wants to beat up bad guys in the street and stop villains. That's not who he is. He He's trying to actually solve crimes because they don't want it to happen again. A big problem a lot of people have police in real life is that detect- they don't get actually paid to solve crimes. They get paid to put people behind bars. But Batman's movie actively once tries to help stop more murders. It's great. It's so well. That, that, that critique is just beautiful. I'm off my soapbox right now. But I, that's my favorite thing about this movie is literally that critique and making him about being a hero first. It's it's funny thinking about that because I'm now thinking of like the Arkham games. And every one of those games has you in a setting where there's very few people that you need to save. Right. Which is something that I just didn't even think about till now because Arkham Asylum. You're just in Arkham Asylum. There's really, there's, there might be guards in there but that's not your reason you're there is to save them. Uh, Arkham City is a blocked off section of Gotham that's been turned into a giant prison. And then Arkham Knight, they just evacuate all of Gotham City. So it's just, it's just a giant playground for Batman to beat people up in. And you don't really think about that until you actually, you know, think about it. Like, you're not really saving people, you're just there to beat up people. And the best Batman moment in 2017's theatrical Justice League, to me, as the most quote-unquote hero Batman moment he has, is when he tells Flash, save one. He helps Flash learn how to save people. Save one, then do it again, and do it again, and just know what you're supposed to do. Great moment. Every. Practically everything Joss Whedon did for that movie is terrible, but that one moment, I guess he was just like, you know what, I'm going to do something at least somewhat accurate to the comics, <laughs> and something that's decent. It's as bad as Joss is as a human being. He understands these characters, he's written comics books in both DC and Marvel, he knows what they are. So making Batman go his way to help people, good moment there. And this movie's about, this, the movie The Batman is about him really becoming the comic book Batman. So it's so aptly named as well. Let's talk about Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. My favorite Catwoman I've seen on screen. Oh yeah. Phenomenal. And I love their heavy sexual tension throughout the whole movie. It is, it is palpable. <laughs> I've always loved Batman and Catwoman as a couple. And they allow each other to have their secrets that they need to. And I didn't really think realize it until I saw this version. Like, Anne Hathaway, great, great actor and great choice for Catwoman. But it's her, not Catwoman, really. Her character didn't really have much to her, is, no. the, is the thing. And it's my problem with Nolan. He didn't make them their characters, really. And, like, Catwoman was no exception. I think, though, this movie proved the point of, like, he kind of does need a suit like this, because he gets shot a lot. <laughs> and, like, not just with, like, with machine guns, but with shotguns. Like, he's shot in the head. Like, I, he, he should be dead if he wasn't wearing that suit. I think that's cool with the idea of him dodging bullets, though. But also, I... I can understand that, but this is, it's it's a weird thing, because I think that part of the fear is them, like, you know, they could just be firing at him, and nothing happens to him. Like, that just is another level to it. I think it. it's scary that he's, he's a regular guy, and he can't be hit. But they also, but, again, it's always in the night and in the shadows. You can't fully make out what he's wearing. So you That's don't know true. if he's, if he's like, indestructible, or if it's, like, a suit that, or if it's the suit he's wearing. It's cool. John Turturro plays Falcone in this movie. Which at, at first when I heard it, I was just like, well, that's an interesting choice. Because like, I've always seen Falcon as like this very big... I'm from Sector big... 7, from the Transformers universe. Are you pissing on me, you robot? I'm lubricating on you. 
I'm so sorry. That's the only thing you've seen him in. I've seen him in Big Lebowski as well. He's great. He's great in that. Anything he's in with the Coen Brothers, he's great, and he's a great actor. And I feel like that he doesn't get the recognition he, that he deserves. And I think it's because of the Transformers series. He's in like three of those, right? He's in four of those. Four, he's in four. He's not the only one he's not in is the fourth one. But That's he makes right. he makes a cameo a few scenes in the fifth one. I've only seen one through four. That's why I ah, don't watch the fifth. <laughs> should have watched the fourth one. You really shouldn't have. <laughs> I should have stopped after one. I was rewatching during the pandemic when I got to through. I'm just like I can't, I can't. I just can't. But he's not bad as fuck. Also, they mentioned South from running a bunch, but they never really show much because they don't need to. No. Yeah. It's like they they mentioned. In the universe, other characters in the world know who these characters are, so you don't need to be like, hey, remember when this guy did this thing to us? No? Okay, we'll recap it right now. They don't do that because in the universe, people know who people are. What is how real life works? That's how exposition should work. So well done there. Yeah. Don Falcone, uh, Carmine Falcone, he is the blood father of Selena Kylan's universe because he just slept with people at his club. It makes sense. Yeah. They lean in that in Joker, the movie too, with uh, the Wayne family mm-hmm. and stuff. People will definitely compare that to that. Obviously, at this point, going forward, that wasn't that wasn't even my thir- first thought until just now. Like I didn't, I didn't even compare it to. She's still not a Falcone, but she's like he owes me the money, he owes me this wealth. Yeah, we need to talk about how they communicate because there's a device that Batman has, and it's the coolest new gadget he has the, is on his eye. The, the contact uh, computer lens. It's a camera mic a microphone thing. It's cool. Yeah. When we first see it, he goes back to Batcave, he takes it out, he puts it in the thing, and we see that it plays back everything that he saw, yes. which I was just like, that is so cool. He also says he takes daily logs of what he saw, mm-hmm. because he won't remember the next day otherwise. But he's just, he's so exhausted, because mm-hmm. he doesn't take care of himself. He is he, not Bruce Wayne right now, he's it, only Batman. It's very evident that he doesn't sleep well, he doesn't he doesn't go to work at Wayne Manor, he doesn't really do he has no umbrella Batman. the whole time. He's just wet. <laughs> All he knows at this point is just Batman, because that's what he has dedicated himself to. I thought you were saying, oh, he just being wet now. I mean, that too. The only time he looks at all okay is at the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only time he combs his hair. Or bruises the eye makeup. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's the most time I think I've ever seen Batman in a t-shirt. Yeah. He wears a t-shirt in most scenes where he's Bruce Wayne. He's like, I'm not going to get dressed for this. Yeah. And something that I thought about while I was watching it, like, he... Robert Pattinson is not, like, giant Ben Affleck-sized Batman. But he's he, fit, though. He's very fit, but he doesn't, like... And again, this adds to, like, the level of fear. When you see him, you're just like, he's not a very strong man, he can't hurt me. And then, like, no, he is able to, it just adds to it. The, yeah, and even Falcone said, Bruce Wayne, the only man more reclusive than me. Yeah. It's like, he actually is just hiding out. And it's like, yeah. I don't want to be here. He's, he's, the, he's the weird rich hermit. He's the emo kid. Yeah. He literally has emo hair and makeup all the time. At first, when I saw... Pattinson with that long uh, black hair. I was just like, well, that's an interesting Edgy. choice. But it works. Just plays uh, the song Teenagers vs. Scale Living Shadow Me from uh, My Chemical <laughs> Romance. <laughs> to introduce Robin, that's how you do it. How, God, it would be a while before he be, before he's comfortable with getting Robin. I think we need to bring up the fact that our last episode with Hunter Ferris. Um, oh yeah, that's we, kind of important. <laughs> we, there was, we brought up the rumor, I brought up the rumor about how uh, Barry Cahan's brother Pretty much confirmed that he was playing a Joker in this movie. And Mr. Wholesome Film talked about the good point of don't give rumors too much power. Like, that's a fair point. Mm. He didn't really, really address the part about being the rumor itself because it is just a rumor. Yeah. The rumor was definitely true. Yeah. Barry Cahan is an Officer Stanley, which he was first credited as. He is the Joker behind bars in Arkham. 
What and what I love about that is that that implies that he already has history with uh, Pattinson's Batman. And the best part of that at all is yes, because of that line, he says that Gotham loves a comeback, meaning he might come back himself too. Yeah, and while I would like to have a different kind of villain that isn't a psychopath in the next one, this does leave me very curious as to what they could do. Because he was a great druid. Yeah, he was fucking great. He he's was a great. great. He is a great actor. I've seen only his Druid. I went and watched him in uh, the Dunkirk in nineteen seventeen. He's in. Uh, he's in Dunkirk, Green Knight. Green Knight. Um, I saw him seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. Deer. Yeah, but what I've seen him in, he's great. So and from we don't really see his face. We see like small outlines of like his hair and like he has, he's got a creepy smile. Yeah, we can see that. Uh, the, it had like the full clown drawn around smile look yeah. like. I thought I saw like evidence of like really like sharp teeth or something like that, which I'm very curious what he's gonna be like. There'll be a sequel. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, people, obviously, going to come out at some point about DCEU is going to be a part of the DC universe. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I would love it if this started its own DC universe. Like, this is just branching off from here naturally. I don't. I I really want this to be its own thing. I don't want to see Superman. I'm I don't want to see Wonder of, Woman. I don't want to see that in this. I'm so tired of DC comic books things being their own thing, though. But look at how look at their track record. I'm, though I know. <laughs> I know. I understand that. But I... It feels wrong to have Batman be a, so such a solo character to me when he was only alone in comic books for about, like, two years. I the rest th- of the entire, his entire history, he's at least had a Robin or had someone else in our life. He's been around with the whole family, a Bat family, for most of history or with the League. I really don't think it should happen. I think that because the DCEU is still going and it, it has no signs of stopping, even though it really should... Like, they don't want to overwhelm audience with too many different universes. Because, like, this already establishes it's its own thing without having to establish it. I don't know. I'm saying I wanted to just restart and from here being the next, like, be the next first movie. Like, like how Iron Man was, was originally. I don't think, I don't want it. Imagine Matt Reeves as the Kevin Feige type of this universe. God, I feel I would not envy him in that position at all. <laughs> no, but he thinks he'd do a good job. <sighs> I think Matt Reeves is the kind of filmmaker that keeps stuff contained in a, in a good way. Like, Planet of the Apes, he caps it off perfectly. Cloverfield never intended to be a franchise, but he told a very good, confined story. And here, he tells a very good, confined story. And yes, he create, co-created Lost with Abrams, but even that still is, despite... I know it goes into crazy places, it's still its own thing. And I think that... When he works with that, I think he's at his best. But I think if DC like forces him to throw in other stuff like multiverse or Superman or stuff like that, it's gonna severely affect what he would want to do with the story. So I don't think that he should. And even he's even he has said he does he does not know how he could work with in the MCU like making a movie for that because it's just it's so much. I don't think he's, Batman needs Superman like inherently as part of his, his actual as a character. I go, I go back and forth because like there's so many different interpretations and versions where we don't ever see them and it works out fine. Yeah, it works out um, right, but he is drastically enhanced when you have Superman side or same with Robin. It's it's helpful I think to have the League. They are his family. It feels weird to not have that. I no orphan boy only. I was like, we're orphans. We're orphans, Bruce. Wait, wait, hold on. Can we talk about that? The, the moment when he's with Riddler, and we think that Riddler knows who Bruce Wayne is? That is a fantastic moment, because it places it off to the audience, like, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know your secret, 
Bruce Wayne. And he was going off about Bruce Wayne, and then at a certain point, he says something that Bruce Wayne... You know about Batman. You know how Bruce Wayne is Batman. And and Batman's just like, uh, sure I do. I also love how Catwoman hates Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. She hates the rich pricks. (laughs) It's like they're all the same. It's like, ah... Anyways, he was a human. Says, uh, "Why Bruce Wayne? What's what's wrong with that?" <laughs> so about the Waynes, Kyle Cohen. right, 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 right. Um, so in this movie, it's revealed that the Waynes were not perfect saints, which they never should have been. The Court of Owls, people. Go on. But it was revealed that like Martha had been in. in Wait, what's her name? Why'd you say that name? Shut up. <laughs> uh, that Martha, his mom had been in and out of different insane asylums and because of their relationship with the Arkham family that it could all get like swept under the rug and then his campaign for mayor, it was all, it would all be fine. But then pe- an investigative reporter found out about it and was just like, hey, I'm going to reveal this to everyone. And originally we think that Bruce's dad is just like, we can't let this happen. Falcone, can take care of this man for me. But that's not the case. He didn't know, he just wanted to protect his son and Martha. And so Falcone, because he had saved his life, he owed him a favor. So he was just like, look, I, I don't know what to do. Can you can you help me out with this? He didn't want him dead. Right. And then he ended up dead. Like, yeah, even said that Falcone didn't order the hit on the Waynes at all. It was literally just, it was a random person who killed him. Yeah. And Which is good. I, Joe Chill. At first, I thought this was going the route of the Telltale series where it was revealed that in that game, what they do with the Wayne family, I thought was incredibly interesting. And they have they had similar beats to it until it, until it wasn't that. But I really loved how that movie just completely deconstructed the idea of the Waynes and Bruce's legacy and how it just all comes can come crumbling down in an instant. Right, and the, way, the reason I mentioned before Core of Owls is if you don't know that, about that, what that is... It's a semi-recent story of the past 15 years, I want to say. I think it's New 52. Um, basically, the storyline is about Gotham City, and the Court of Owls was about the founders of the city uh, and a secret organization like Order of the White Lotus and Avatar kind of style, but much darker and more corrupt. And how the reason Gotham Gotham's always corrupt is because there is a secret organization, the Wings, the Falcons, the Moronis, a bunch of other families from the founding of Gotham City have been orchestrating events to happen a certain way forever. And it goes so deep and so, so fascinating. And they're leading into beats of that here, but clearly I think Matt Reeves didn't want to go, this is going to be overwhelming. Let's, let's, let's just blame it on the orphans. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's, he's like, let's, let's talk about the idea, an idea of the... The seed has been planted. Right. And it's, we can go there if we want to, but we, but we can leave that open now. Establish all the same connections there yeah. without openly saying, so, people in bird masks... <laughs> Which is what it would be. And like, that's cool. That's cool with me. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Reeves. Yeah. Colin Farrell? Beautiful as Penguin. Hey, watch it, sweetheart. I I got serious Robert De Niro vibes from his performance, which I don't know if that's what he was going for, but it was great. And we talked about this before. This is how you should do, when you're having multiple villains being in the movie, but there's still that one main villain, this is how you should do it. They should be there to build up the world, but not take the focus away from the main villain. Like, Tasm 2 and Spider-Man 3 did not understand how to do this. They were just like, oh, I'm the main villain now. Actually, I'm the main villain now, but I was always the main villain. And it doesn't work. But here, Penguin was never intended to be the main villain, and you know that from the get-go. He's there to build the world, and it's great. Right. Gotham's the villain. Yeah. The city of Gotham and the festering problems of it and the way that everyone is connected is a problem, is the antagonist that, he, that Bruce has to get through. 
It's Penguin. It's Catwoman. It's Riddler. It's, there's Carmine Falcone. There's his entire crew. There's these weird twins. There's the corrupt Gotham City. Uh, the twins. They're, they're, everyone is meddling with everyone else in, in weird ways. And Annie Circus is just trying to hold it together and gets blown up instead. Yeah. He doesn't die. He doesn't die. But that would have been so ballsy of them to do. We could talk about this movie for hours. We really could. Um, I love the the whole thing, the the mystery around um, the corruption of the city, like where it's all stemming from and why Riddler wants to show it all. And the reveal that it was Falcone the whole time. It was like the rat and like knew everything, but it was behind everything. But you can't touch him because he owns everything. I thought that was really interesting. Which has been in other media as well, like, like the show Gotham, like Batman Begins. You can't mm-hmm. touch Falcone or whatever. But, like, re- but I feel like this like really, this really showed it well. You can't do anything. Yeah. Until you, unless you just kill him. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah, he's just like, you're not going to get anything out of me. My secrets are going to die with me. If there's a man who's going to be blown up, unless he answers these three, three riddles. Yeah. Who's the rat? I won't answer that question. You'll die, but my, if I don't fight right now, my family will be killed. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much. There's so much cool stuff. All all the action scenes the, are the best. The Batmobile, the muscle car Batmobile chase scene. I didn't know how the muscle car would work. It works beautifully. What's cool about it is that chasing goes nowhere. Yeah, but I, that kind of that ties into the into, into the, the mystery. Yeah, I love that Riddler was just like, wait, you haven't solved it yet? Oh dang, you are an idiot. No 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 yeah. no 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 no. Paul, Paul Dano is phenomenal in this. So good. I love they covered his face in all the marketing and stuff, and he just looks normal. Yeah, well, it makes sense. He's trying to cover his face like an identity. Yeah, the cinematography is beautiful. Oh my god! Every shot of this is gorgeous. The, the cinematographer of this did Dune. He did The Mandalorian. So he's great. <laughs> well, Josh, you know, um, so hard yay. Oh, I was gonna say nay. Well, you know what? Yeah, you're right. The, the, <laughs> the dildo scene was a bit much. <laughs> Heroes don't do that. Uh, so, anyway, Hard Yay. Yeah. So, you know who else is kind of like uh, Batman in Marvel Morbius. Comics? Morbius? Exa- exactly. No. Um, Daredevil. Kind of like, like, you know, Batman, right? Right? Who You know who else is in uh, Daredevil? Oh, God. Where are, you, where are you leaning with this? The Kingpin. What about him? You know him, right? I'm, I'm aware. Have you heard of the Pin King? I'm sorry, what? Super weird story time! Oh, oh dear God. Here we go. <laughs> So yes, the Pin King. I was reminded of the Pin King when I was scrolling through TikTok and came across a user named Sir Superhero's video on this character. They talk about a lot of weird, obscure characters. Guess how many issues they appeared in? 17. One. Really? A, in a, uh, guess who was their hero they went against? Oh, first off, Marvel or DC? Uh, uh DC. It was Marvel. Okay. Um, guess what hero they went against? The Thing. Deadpool. That seems accurate. In a choose-your-own-adventure book. Doesn't seem as accurate. <laughs> it was also... So, his name is Filson Whisk. I think I see where they're going with this. <laughs> um, he had the character of the Arranger and Bullseye obtain the time helmet that Deadpool had. Which could go back in time. I, it makes sense. Yes. And he wanted to do this to make... Bo- to, <laughs> to make bowling illegal. No, better than that. To make bowling the national sport in America. Why did Deadpool want to stop him? Because it's, it's messing with the timeline. Oh, so he was just wanted to mess with the timeline. You no, know, he was going back in time to make this happen. 
Wait, was Deadpool making this happen, or was Pim Pim? King wanted to go back in time to make the national sport that was first being, ha- being discussed and happening. Okay, but Making why? it bowling. Okay, but why is Deadpool concerned about that? Because it messes with the timeline. He's Deadpool. This is not an answer. <laughs> Hold on. So he took the Kingpin hostage. <laughs> Pim King took the Kingpin hostage with a ball gag in his mouth. Do I see a picture of this? I would love to see a picture of this. <laughs> I'm so... Does he have a pin for a head? Yes. Like a, like a bowling pin, yes. Cool. You see, watching the Batman makes me want to read the comics. Then I hear bullshit like this. Where is the ball gag? That sounds really weird. I'll show you a picture of that later, okay? I, I could show you a picture of Pin King, though. Oh, so he just wears a pin on his head. I thought it was like a literal pin head. So the three main outcomes of the future adventure are Deadpool beats Bullseye. Bullseye beats Deadpool. Well, the third ending, which is way more fun, which is Deadpool baits uh, Bullseye into getting the perfect bowling game, knocking Pin King out by hitting the, the pin. So Pin King is wearing an all-white suit and has a bowling pin on his head, like a helmet. And so he, Deadpool gets Bullseye to get a bowling ball and whack Pin King in the head and knock him out. That's how that, that the third ending goes. Beautiful. His entire history is a paragraph. Uh, so Deadpool arrived, and the king uh, and the Pin King had Bullseye fight with him with two timelines existing, where Deadpool either won or defeated Bullseye. And the third, Pin King and Bullseye won and killed Deadpool. And a third timeline existed where Deadpool and Bullseye gave a bowling ball, and he couldn't resist using it on the pin, knocking his boss out. That is the main thing that happens in the story. But again, he wanted to get the time helmet from Deadpool... To go back in time to make bowling the national sport in America. You know, for crimes you could do, I would say let him do that. If he's on Deadpool 3, then what's the point? I would love that. Also, have you ever heard of Big Wheel? Yes. Similar dumb character. I want to marry up to you, the Pin King. Because, what? I, I have no explanation. They're, they literally decided to ball gag because he likes balls because bowling balls. I feel like that he should hate them because he's a pin? No, he's the king of pins. He's not a pin. He likes bowling so much. And he wanted, he chose this path of life for a play on war. He wanted to become the kingpin, but kingpin was taken. I feel like that creators at Marvel and DC at times are just so bored. They just have a, they just have a dartboard up that have random words that they just throw it on there. It's like green. And then on another board, it's just like bowl. And it's just like, all right, next villain, green bowl. Well, this one was like, what, who's the villain we already have? Okay. Can we do them again, but reverse? Yes. How dumb can we make it? Just give them to Deadpool. It's fine. <laughs> and it works. And I like the idea of it being a choose your adventure. I think it's pretty funny. Because it's about the timeline, mm-hmm. and whatever time, whatever path, I, make, I think that makes a lot of sense if you do time travel stuff. But then what's the canon timeline? That's what I don't understand. What is the canon version then? Doesn't matter. Doesn't it's matter. Deadpool. For some reason, when you were saying Bullseye, I know exactly who you're talking about. My brain was picturing Black Bolt, and I don't know why. <laughs> the one who can't talk. Exactly. I don't know why. It can talk would just destroy people. So that is our podcast today. Don't listen to the bed, the Batman, lots of fun news, and the Pin King. Beautiful time. Go watch the Batman. It's based off of the long Halloween. It's based off of Batman Ego and Batman Year One. The first day of the Batman is Halloween night. It's dark. E. And gritty. But comic booky. I e. like that.
I want to see the Pin King in Deadpool 3 for sure. If nothing else, in an X-Men movie. For no reason. Yes, make him the new nemesis for Wolverine. Imagine! <laughs> Imagine War Machine against him. Or something like that. Where he's like, as, or- as a quick little um, like cold open kind of scene. Of, I will defeat it! And I will make bowling the... It's defeated. Or Spider-Man villain. That would work for a Spider-Man cold would open. make a lot more sense. But War Machine would just be funny. <laughs> Poor War Machine. <laughs> So Josh, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter, J underscore Rudy28. Instagram, J underscore Rudy16. Letterboxd at f- film... F- f- what? <laughs> Letterboxd, nerd4film28. Uh, TikTok, Rudy underscore the film nerd. Oh, I exist. Um, you can find me at Twitter. Might need to be a little bit more specific. Find me. I, it's a game. <laughs> Here's my I riddle. Am, I am the riddle. I am the, ri- I am the riddle art. The riddle art. Go, yeah, so go find me on The Theater Nerd on Twitter. On TikTok, I'm That Nerd Theater. On Instagram, I'm That Nerd in Theater. And uh, you can email them to us on the show here at nerdtalkproductionsyt at gmail.com. We will get a new email eventually. Not today. I hate doing things, so not today. You can also find us on Twitter at GeekSpeakPod or hashtag GeekSpeakPod. We've already had one. Uh, questions slash comments for the show in our 15 episodes now. Submit more. But we will respond to any bullshit y'all throw at us. Please do. I like the bullshit. Also, we want a theme song. So if anyone here is musically inclined, send one in. It's fun. We will play whatever you give us. As long as it's not just screaming racism or something like that. <laughs> Which, that'd be problematic. Nails on chalkboard. Like, just random bad sounds. We'll play that. We'll play, we'll play all your bad sounds until someone is like, I can't take this shit anymore. I'm going to write them a song. Yeah, give us something fun. I don't know. I think songs are fun. At the very least, give us a super weird story song. Let's give us songs for everything. What would be a song for a DCOM? Don't, I, I don't know. We have to change every week. Every week? Well, yeah, new DCOM every week. High School Musical. Have a fun challenge with that. <laughs> Our next one is again called Horse Sense. Um, and we might make Hunter watch it. Oh, yeah, our next episode, actually, I think it's going to be Bueller now, so we'll make Bueller watch it, maybe. We'll have a fun time. He's going on to promote his found footage Dracula film, which is finally rap production. Also, I have rap production on my short film, which we had a budget of about $1,100 for. We wrapped that. That was really fun. It's called No Ending. Stay tuned for that. And Josh is about to shoot his film called... Called Just Breathe. We shoot in a little over a week. Hell yeah. So thank you all for listening to us. Uh, I don't know why you do, but thank you so much. We're idiots, but we love you. And thank you to Nikhil Clayton for coming on last episode and for bringing on so many new listeners. We love having you all on. We love you. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Also, please get vaccinated. Bye! Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.